0: Well, I want to join with Bob in welcoming each and every one of you to our worship service this morning. And I also want to extend a very special welcome to all of our mothers and all of our grandmothers who are here on this Mother's Day Sunday. I want to thank Dave for not only the hymns that he led us in, but also for the scripture reading from Proverbs chapter 31. That's a wonderful description of godly Christian mothers. There's one verse in that book of Proverbs chapter 31 that really jumps out uh, to me this morning as I think about motherhood. And that's verse number 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. That's a wonderful chapter in God's Word, Proverbs chapter 31, and that's a beautiful verse that describes a woman, a wife, a mother, who honors the Lord by the way she lives her life. And we're very fortunate and we're very blessed here in our congregation at North because we have that kind of woman. We have women who are wives. We have women who are mothers. We have these women that mean so much to us, and we want to honor them. We want to honor them for their faith in God. For their love that they show toward the Lord and toward us. And I just want to say God bless all of you Christian sisters in our congregation here. And if you are a mother, may God bless you with a very happy Mother's Day. Brian chose this lesson for me. Now, he doesn't know that he chose this lesson for me, but he did, because when the schedule came out that I was going to be preaching on Mother's Day Sunday, I immediately began thinking about what my topic would be. And my first thought that came to mind was, I think I'll go into the Old Testament and preach about Hannah and Samuel. (laughs) Remember Ryan's lesson last Lord's Day? It was an early Mother's Day lesson. And he did a beautiful job in sharing with us from God's Word the story of Hannah and Samuel. So scratch, (laughs) Hannah, scratch Samuel. Plan B. Plan B, we're going to meet some mothers that Jesus met during his ministry. You know, in the Ten Commandments, commandment number five says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. In the poignant story, How Green Was My Valley, a man recalls his childhood, while growing up in a tough mining town in Wales. The youngest of several children, he fondly remembers his boyhood family life by saying, Father was the head of the house and Mother was the heart of the home. That's a beautiful and biblical description of what a Christian home should be. Father. Father the head of the house, mother, the heart of the home. On this Mother's Day Sunday, I want us to look at some of the mothers Jesus met during his brief time here on earth. You realize his ministry was only about three to three and a half years. Think about how short a time that was. Why, today, our American modern-day teenagers can go through high school in four years. And so Jesus' ministry was actually, took less time than the time it takes for a teenager to go through high school. Only about three to three and a half years. And during that ministry, Jesus met many mothers And so we're going to take a look at some of these mothers that Jesus met. And as we do so, we're going to see several things. First, we're going to see Jesus' attitude toward women and motherhood. Then we're going to see our own hopes and dreams, our doubts and fears, reflected in the lives of these mothers that Jesus met. And we will also see That Jesus is able to relieve our doubts and fears and help us realize our hopes and our dreams if, and that's an important little word there, that preposition, if, if we personally know him as our Lord and our Savior. Now we're going to look at mothers Jesus met this morning, and I've selected a scripture from Matthew A scripture from Mark, a scripture from Luke, and a scripture from John to help us see some of these mothers that Jesus encountered during his earthly ministry. The first scripture comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. If you have your Bibles, just turn over there to Matthew chapter 20, and I'll be reading to you verses 20 and 21. And we're going to see here that Jesus met a mother who wanted success for her two sons. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20, 21 tell us, Then came to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? He saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Oh, she wanted something for her boys. And she wanted it very badly. From Mark 10.35, we learn that this woman was the wife of Zebedee and the mother of two of Jesus' apostles, James and John. Now, Zebedee and his sons were commercial fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus had called James and John to become fishers of men. Now, her request, really, when you stop to think about it, uh, was quite reasonable and quite logical in light of what Jesus and Peter had been discussing earlier in the previous chapter, Matthew 19. Turn back to Matthew chapter 19, and uh, starting with verse 27 through 29, let's just see what Peter and Jesus and the other apostles also were involved were discussing. Peter, acting as the spokesman for the twelve, says, starting with verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee, What shall we have therefore? Well, what is Peter saying here? As he acts as the spokesman for the twelve apostles. He's saying, hey, what's in it for us? By our following you. Well, let's see how Jesus responds. Verse 28, and Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed me, In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken homes, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. think about that. The mother of James and John, the wife of Zebedee, I'm sure she had heard about what Jesus had promised his apostles if they would faithfully follow him. And since Jesus and his 12 apostles were going to sit upon thrones as rulers and judges of Israel, she wanted her two boys, James and John, to have those thrones that were nearest to Christ. Like most parents, she simply wanted the best for her children. As I think about that, I think about a story that I once heard, and it's a story that tells about a boy's misconceptions concerning the work of preaching. Every Sunday on the way home from church, this mother encouraged her 10-year-old son Jimmy to think about becoming a preacher when he grew up. Well, this went on Sunday after Sunday. Jimmy, I want you to really think about becoming a preacher When you grow up and you become a man. Well, several months later, little Jimmy announced that he would become a preacher someday after he had grown up. And he went on to tell his mom, since I'll be going to church anyway, it would be more fun to stand up and talk than to sit down, be quiet and listen. Now, that's a misconception of what preaching and the ministry are all about. But that was a child's perception. And we can laugh at that, but there are times when we as adults also have misconceptions. And we have the wrong perception and a misunderstanding of what Christ's kingdom in church is all about. The apostles. Had that misconception. They really didn't understand it until after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. And even after his ascension into heaven. When they received the Holy Spirit, then the light bulb lit up. And they really, for the first time, begin to grasp, comprehend, and understand what Jesus' ministry, life, death, resurrection, gospel message were all about, and the nature of God's kingdom and church here on earth. And so we can't fault Debedee's wife, mother of James and John, too much for her misunderstanding the nature of Christ's kingdom. For You see, she envisioned a powerful worldly kingdom and empire, not a spiritual kingdom in church. She saw royal thrones of power and glittering crowns of gold and glory for her sons. Not the humiliating shame and suffering of the cross, for the cost of true discipleship, which requires a, a life of self-denial and much sacrifice. But Jesus was very patient with his apostles and very patient with his mother. In his response, he kindly explains to them that his kingdom will not be modeled after the nations, the kingdoms, and empires of this world, but it was going to be different, radically and wonderfully different. Going back to Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, we see Jesus explaining the nature of his kingship and his kingdom. Starting there with verse 25, But Jesus called them unto himself and said, "Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the nature of God's kingdom in Christ's church. Yes, there was a time when the followers of Jesus were thinking of A restoration of the glory of Israel, like unto the days of King David and Solomon. And for them it was all physical, it was material. They looked forward to a Messiah who would come and drive the Romans out of Palestine. And allow them to regain their independence and restore their nation to its former glory. But that was not the purpose or the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. And grant unto us God's forgiveness of our sin. And the gift of eternal life. Well, Let's leave Matthew now and go over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're just going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here we're going to see that Jesus met a group of mothers who wanted their children to be blessed in a special way by Him. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. Mark tells us, And they brought young children to Jesus, that He should touch them. And His disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw, He was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Then he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. I want to suggest to you that these mothers may or may not have understood that Jesus is the Son of God. But they definitely believed that he was a man of God. It was clearly evident to them that he was a preacher, he was a teacher. He was a prophet of amazing ability and faith, a life of virtue, holiness, and righteousness. And so they brought their young children to him, these mothers did, that Jesus might bless them in a special way. A fortunate, how very fortunate these children were to have mothers who were spiritually minded women who looked beyond the things of this world, had faith in God and his ability to bless and provide for the spiritual needs of their boys and girls. Ellen and I, we're both blessed to have had such mothers in our lives. Our mothers have departed from this life here on earth, but they're still with us in our memories. Ellen's mother, Mary, my mother, Evelyn, so grateful, so fortunate, so blessed to have had them for so long. My mother died just 10 days shy of her 90th birthday, and Ellen's mom lived to be 85. Not everyone can say that about their moms or their dads, but we were blessed to have them with us for that time, and their memories still live in our hearts and our minds, and we're still influenced by their godliness, their faith, their love for the Lord. And for their family. And my wife Ellen has been just such a mother to our two sons, David and Daniel. Every day I thank God for her. More mothers today need to be concerned enough about their children's spiritual welfare and eternal destiny. To bring them to the place where God is truly loved and greatly honored, where His Word is believed and taught, and His blessings eternal are given and received. Now, where is such a place as that? Is it the Boy Scouts? Is it the Girl Scouts? Is it the 4-H clubs? Or the numerous secular student school activities and youth sports leagues? No, it's not in these organizations or institutions. That's not their purpose. That's not their mission. Then where is it? It's the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Established almost 2,000 years ago. Thus it is. I want to encourage you moms and dads to continue doing what you're doing this very Lord's Day. Bring your kids to Jesus and God by faithfully bringing them to the Bible classes and the worship services of the church. Oh, we're beautifully blessed here at North. Lots of children in this congregation. And Sunday after Sunday, month after month, as the years come and go, I'm so happy and I know the elders and deacons And their wives can say the same thing to see parents bringing their kids, their children, the Bible classes and the worship services of our church family. That's where it's at when you take an eternal perspective and long-range view of life. In a recent interview for Decision Magazine, Virginia's new lieutenant governor, Winsome Earl Sears, tells about her oldest of three daughters and two granddaughters being tragically killed in an automobile accident. Winsome goes on to say, being a mother, you learn about sacrificial love. And the greatest inheritance you can leave your children is introducing them to God. God be praised that we have parents here today who are introducing their children to God and helping them to know God, not only as their creator, but as their kind Merciful, loving Heavenly Father. Well, let's leave Mark now and go on to Luke. Luke chapter 7. Luke, the seventh chapter. We're going to see that Jesus meets a mother whose life was devastated by the death of a loved one. Luke 7, starting with verse number 11. Luke tells us, And it came to pass the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now this town of Nain was just a, a small village uh, several miles southeast of Nazareth. Jesus was brought up in Nazareth. He's often called the Nazarene. So Jesus goes to this little village, this little town of Nain, just several miles southeast of Nazareth where he was raised. Let's see what happens when he arrives in Nain. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of their city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the open coffin, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. Only those who have experienced the death of a parent, a child, or a spouse in their lives can fully understand the sorrow and grief borne by this widow of name. Death had taken away her beloved husband. Now death had claimed the life of her only son. Physically exhausted and emotionally numb by the heart-wrenching pain of her loss, she could not even express prayerful words to ask Jesus for help and a blessing. Yet some emotional feelings down deep in our heart do not have to be verbalized with spoken words for our Lord to know and understand what our need is. Verse 13 tells us, When the Lord saw her, when he entered into the village of Nain, he saw this funeral procession. When the Lord saw her and he saw what was going on, what was happening, he had compassion on her. (coughs) With tender sympathy, Jesus felt her loss. He felt her pain. He experienced and shared in her sorrow. Then he turned this mother's tears of sorrow and the tears of joy. Women, God created you different than us men. And you know that. We all know that. And there's something remarkable about a woman. Yes, she can cry when she's sad. But women, you can also cry when you're joyful and happy. Just so happy, just so joyful. The tears can flow just as readily as when you're overwhelmed by sadness and sorrow. Jesus turned this mother's tears of sorrow into tears of joy. Jesus' miracle brought this mother's dead son Back to life. Oh, what a blessing he bestowed on that occasion upon this woman and mother. The compassionate and loving attitude and actions of Jesus toward this grieving widow and mother confirms the comforting thoughts expressed in that hymn, Does Jesus Care? We sang that hymn just a few minutes ago. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply from mirth and song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it ought to him? Does he see and then the resounding words of the chorus. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary. I know my Savior cares. And I'm going to add, yes, he cares for you and for me. Now we come to our final meeting and it's John 19 verses 25 through 27. We're going to see something here that really tugs at the heartstrings. Jesus' own precious mother Mary dearly loved him in life and bravely stood by him in death. John chapter 19, just a couple verses of scripture, 25 through 27 Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved and that would be the apostle John he saith unto his mother woman behold thy son then saith he to the disciple behold thy mother and from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. From the moment of his divine conception, the hour of his death by crucifixion on that cross, the special bond of love between Mary and Jesus was unbroken. Now on that darkest and saddest of days, Mary was there at the foot of the cross to offer what comfort she could to her dying son. And in his dying hour, Jesus expressed great love and concern for his mother by arranging for the Apostle John to take good care of her when he was gone. And as we think of that, And as we allow it to register its impact not only in our minds, but also in our hearts. We have to say, if Christ could show such love and compassion for his own dear mother, while suffering and dying a terribly painful and agonizing sacrificial death on the cross for the sins of the whole world, we certainly owe our own mothers as much in life. This morning, in all of our biblical examples, we see that Jesus, by his words and by his deeds, honored and exalted motherhood. And today, in honoring our mothers, we honor Jesus Christ. And in honoring Christ, we also honor God, our Creator, and our loving Heavenly Father. Throughout his ministry, Jesus time and again emphasized the importance of those God ordained biblical principles for having a happy and successful marriage and a happy and successful family. In a society, a modern society today, that is sick with sin and evil. Sadly, Too many families, too many marriages, ignore those God-given and time-tested principles. As we look around us, we, we know, we see that there's a bad result. There's a lot of pain, anguish, heartache. Suffering as a result. Our families, many of them, are badly fractured and totally dysfunctional. But it does not have to be that way. Oh no, there's a better way. It's the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ and his gospel, there is help for today. For marriages and for families. And in Christ and his gospel, there's hope for a better and brighter tomorrow. And it doesn't matter how badly the family relationship is. Broken or busted, Jesus can help. And he wants to help, he's willing to help, if we'll accept the help he offers. Being part of a blessed family, the family of God, is what the church is all about. Therein we find genuine love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, divine help for living life here in this world, and divine preparation For living eternally and forevermore in heaven. Jesus teaches us that we become members of his spiritual family, the church, by learning, believing, and doing the will of God in our lives as given to us in his soul saving, life changing gospel. So it is today. If you're not yet part of the Lord's family, and I want to encourage you, I'm pleading with you on inviting you to come and give your life to Jesus Christ and take a place, a humble place of worship and service in His church, an everlasting kingdom. You can do that by trusting, believing, and obeying the gospel of Christ gospel call of Christ upon our life calls for faith in Him as God's Son and our Savior. Repentance of our sin. Public confession of our faith in Him. And then water baptism. In the name of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of our sins. When we do those things, when we obey those commands... Then the Lord takes us out of Satan's kingdom of darkness, sin, and death. And he puts us into his kingdom of light, love, and eternal life. If there's anyone here this Lord's Day, this beautiful Lord's Day morning, who's not yet living in obedience, the gospel of Jesus. And as we stand together and sing your invitation hymn, I invite you to come and give your life to Jesus Christ.